Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. There comes a time when every child steps into adulthood and begins making their own choices. Already I know some of the parents are saying sighs and gasps and ah, but hang on. That's what we're here for today. How can today's parents continue to guide their adult children, even if they disagree with their kids' decisions? Well, my guest today, Mary DeMuth, is an international speaker, a podcaster. She's a beloved author of over 40 books, and she's answering this question in her new book, Love, Pray, Listen, Parenting Your Wayward Adult Kids with Joy. Mary offers parents an invitation for spiritual growth and a path towards fulfilling relationships with their adult children. She's going to help us understand what to do when our kids make choices that don't align with our values, give us some tools to reconnect with our adult kids, and to create a a home that adult kids want to come back to. So Mary, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm so honored to have you here. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We, we have mutual friends. I feel like I know all about you and all around you, but I've never actually met you till today. So thank you so much for taking your time and for writing this much, much needed resource. Thanks. It was uh, not a book I wanted to write, but I am glad that it is done and it's out there. (laughs) I know that feeling. And, you know, you share a little bit about that in the beginning of the, of the book. I'd love for you to just bring us into your story. You might be new to some of our, our listeners. I'm sure not to all Um, your books are so well-known and well-loved, but you do say this was not a book you set out to write. And uh, it came from a place of your, your own kind of compound trauma that you faced growing up. So walk us through a bit of your story and how you came to really know that God was telling you to write this. Yeah. So I grew up in a home that I didn't want to duplicate. It was a home of trauma and sexual abuse and neglect and death of a parent and lots of divorces and um, drugs and just all the bad things that can happen to a little kid. I definitely had complex trauma and still battle that today. So when I became um, a Christ follower at 15 and then a wife, um, I knew that I wanted to parent my kids differently, but I didn't have any tools or any skills and no examples of what to do. And so mm-hmm. my parenting um, prowess <laughs> came from getting on my knees and crying all the time. So basically, that's how I learned how to parent and also watching other parents in my my Christian community and, and how they did things that really did help me as well. Mm. You know, and and you make a a statement early on in the book that you were really concerned that you weren't loving your children well. That was just Mm -hmm. kind of this nagging, recurring internal dialogue. And you had a friend that came and visited you and just spoke that life over you. Mary, your kids know that they're loved. So speak to that, how important that is for us to come alongside of one another, because parenting is not easy at any age. I have friends that have two-year-olds, Mary, and they're like, this is so tough. And I'm like... (laughs) Well, just you wait. No, I don't, I don't want to say that because that's not very loving. But I feel like every season has its challenges and its rewards. But young adults, boy, it can be just such, um, you know, wonderful one day, really unpredictable the next. They're trying to figure things out. So we do need a community and we need to not be in shame or carry this constant worry and anxiety of whether or not we're 
uh, we're not going to get everything right. But if we're, if we're doing this as well as we can. So speak to that value of community, because I love that you included that story early on. Yeah, I don't know where I would be today without that story. I was really stuck and very stressed and scared that my kids didn't know I loved them. I would chase them around the house. I love you. I love you. And they probably thought I was crazy. Have a parent in your life, um, someone who is parenting and catch them doing good and speak life over them and encourage them and say, Hey, this is when I watch you parent your child, this really encourages me, or you're doing a great job. We just don't hear that enough. And there's so much, so many of us who are insecure in our parenting that for you to step outside of your comfort zone and affirm someone would really be a blessing. Mm, I love that. And I think if we're not careful, like you said, we're going to lead and parent out of, out of that anxiety, out of that insecurity, Um, you know, we're all broken individuals to some extent, there's going to be some level of dysfunction in every family, but at the same time, we do want to love our family. Well, we want to love our children well, and it can get especially tricky as they get older. And then if they make choices that are not honoring to the Lord. So you've entitled this book, love, pray, and listen. And so it's an easy title to say, and it Mm -hmm. sounds easy in theory, but Walk us through what it actually looks like to develop these steps in this new rhythm of life with your adult kids. Well, the book is based on 1 Corinthians 13, the love is patient, love is kind passage. And first, we have to realize that Paul didn't write this to pre-married couples. He wrote it to a broken Corinthian church full of hard relationships. Mm. And so that passage, I spent a lot of time exegeting it and just pulling it into its context to help us to realize what is it, what does love personified look like? What does it look like um, when the rubber meets the road? And so the whole book is, you know, just an unpacking of what does it mean to love? But in light of that, with our kids as adults, we learn that this idea of control that we thought we had when they were pre-18 is just a silly illusion. And when they leave (laughs) the house, we finally, the illusion is burst and we realize I have no control, but what can we do? We can choose to love our kids. We can pray for them. No one can prevent us from praying for our kids. And if we still have a modicum of relationship with them and knowing that some kids have canceled their parents and some parents have canceled their kids. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't always happen, but if you are in relationship, you can always listen and dignify your adult child by truly listening, not just waiting to interject your opinion that you believe is correct, but listening to them and listening to their heart. Right. And listening with an open heart. And that can Mm -hmm. be hard when you're hearing something you don't agree with. I remember earlier in life, um, my husband were, were not married very long. And so we were navigating that process of being newly married and, and, and finding your own way apart from your own parents. And so different season than we're talking about, But in that conversation, a counselor once said to us, you know, when you're younger, your parents are your authority, but as you get older, you want it to move to where they're a, they're a a person in a place of influence. But like Mm -hmm. you're saying, you're not going to be able to control their choices, their thoughts. I mean, we really don't, can't do that all along. You might have a stronger arm and motivation or, or, uh, you know, go to your room or take Mm -hmm. something away. But at some point, that's not going to work. And so um, I want to I want to follow up with something you just said. I, I sadly, I as as pastors out here um, in the D.C. area, we pastored for almost 30 years now. 
we, we do see the gamut of relationships among parents and kids, um, everything from over enabling to, um, you know, you just, you name it, but speak for a second, Mary, about the importance of keeping communication open. You talked about listening, this idea of, of literally just canceling. I mean, I know parents who don't even know where their kids are. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you disagree, how do we, how do we handle disagreements in a way that doesn't lead to that straight up cancellation? How can we keep the doors of communication open, even if we don't agree with what we're hearing and and what choices are being made? One of the things that's helped me is to view my adult children as neighbors instead of adult children with a whole bunch of history. Mm. So when you have a new neighbor move into the neighborhood, you're not like going there telling them, I'm going to share all my political opinions with you. Hi, (laughs) you just don't do that. You get to know them. You are gentle. You think about ways to bless them and Mm. all of that. And so that's one thing that's really helped me is just get we have to kind of divorce ourselves from that long generation that we've had or this time that we've had with them and just look at them. Now they're a new creature. They're an adult now, and they have new opinions and new ways of looking at things. So that has really helped me. And then to, um, to really truly have a holy curiosity about your adult kids Hmm. to, to want to know what makes them tick and to approach it like a, an archaeologist, undig, you know, digging up stuff mm. um, instead of finding ways to point out their flaws. Oh, that's so good. We, we live in a really flaw pointing uh, system of life. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like um, our kids probably already know what we feel about things. <laughs> we probably made it clear throughout their lives. And so not to say we should never speak the truth in love, but for the most part to err on the side of, I want to create a haven in this relationship. Hmm. And we've experienced that even this past year where one of my children who was, you know, struggling and far from the Lord um, went through a crisis and the first person they called was us. And that was a huge affirmation of even the message of this book that you don't have to agree with someone to be able to love them and to create a haven-like environment for them. Mm, I love that, Mary. I'm so glad you said that. I was actually going to say that those words were forming. You don't have to agree with someone to honor them or to love them. I, I think our culture doesn't know how to do that very well. No. If I don't agree with you, then all of a sudden we're either at odds and polar opposites or the other extreme that I want to ask you about. So we don't want to be canceling. We want to keep open communication. We want to love even in disagreement. Once we've made our point known, listen, I don't think this is God's best for you. You know how we feel or, or this is uh, not where we believe, you know, the Bible is, is expressing, you know, this value or whatever. We don't need to keep beating that dead horse. Like you said, most mm-hmm. of the time they know, they just want to know if they're still going to be loved. Love does not mean agreement with mm-hmm. the choices, but the other side of that coin, I was grateful that you leaned into um, what we'll call, I, I call it the Mr. Potato Head version of Jesus mm-hmm. or the fancy word is syncretism, which I'm mm-hmm. grateful that you brought out, which is this kind of buffet style of theology of I'll take a little bit of new age and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of Bible. I like Jesus. I just don't really like most of what he tells me to do. And we <laughs> kind of put it together and we create a Mr. Potato Head Jesus where we have our own ear and eyes and nose. And that can be really, really challenging. It can be challenging in any relationship. 
um, maybe friends or maybe after the pandemic or political challenges. And all of a sudden you realize you're kind of on different sides of the fence on something. And, and how can you still move that relationship forward? So I want to ask you if one side is being over enabling um, or one side is being over canceling, we're just mm-hmm. not even going to have a conversation anymore. We don't agree. And I'm, I, we don't, I'm not going to see the eye to eye and we don't talk anymore. If that's one extreme, we don't want to live in. The other extreme might be that we're over compromising our own personal convictions in order to keep that relationship. So I know these are polar extremes, but I feel like we need to address both of those Help us know if that tends to be where we're camping out, um, maybe even adopting, compromising our own uh, biblical stances in order to keep that relationship going. Give us some counsel and, and wisdom into that, Mary. Yeah, in the book, I talk about a couple whose um, child came out as uh, same-sex attracted. And it it did, you know it was hard on them and they went back to the Bible and they, um, you know, worked through what their theology was again. And what was hard for them was that the culture says that if you love someone, not only will you approve, but you will applaud. Mm. And yet the narrow way is somewhere down the middle of that, where you, you still love, but you don't have to applaud. You can still maintain your, you know, if what you feel is your theology. I know that this is a very divisive issue. So I'm trying to trod tenderly, but what happened with this couple was that they kept trying to find other couples who they could commiserate with, or at least pray with. Mm. And what they found was that most of the other couples compromised how they felt about sexuality Um, And so that couple felt really alone. And the message was, if you don't agree with your child's decision, then you don't love them. But what they found was loving them and still disagreeing with them did not shrink relationship. Hmm. It's harder. It's a more narrow way. It's difficult, but it can be done. And I think it's a lie that says you have to applaud to love. You can still speak the truth in love once, not seven times, not 70 times, seven times, just one time and walk away from that conversation, but you can still love the person. That's so good, Mary. That's so powerful because we have to, the Bible says what the Bible says. So when we are, are, are in agreement with the word of God, then we are going to be in disagreement with, with culture, with worlds, with other ideologies, but as you're saying, and, and we have to go back to Jesus as our model. He loved, but he always challenged people to a, to a different way of life. He never let people stay where they are, but we're not Jesus, you know? And so I think sometimes we put ourselves in the place of being the savior and the Holy spirit and all the things. And, and this process of letting go, which you address in the book as well. Yeah. You know, I remember sitting down having a conversation with Carol Kent and she said, parenting is just this constant process of relinquishment. Of course, her son is in prison and will be for the rest of his life. And so she has a different frame around that word relinquishment. But all of us have to learn to relinquish, even as you're saying there, Mary, talking about that particular situation. And maybe there's a listener who's walking through this. 
you're not only trying to love your child through these challenges, but you're also having to let go of the expectation of what you hoped things might be. And so if you've always kind of had a certain set of it's going to be this and it's not looking like that, that can be a very painful place to walk. And so how do we let go of those expectations? Even as I'm saying that, I guess the answer would be to continue to place our expectation in Christ even when the circumstance does not look like we might want it to look. Speak to that for just a minute, if you can. The harder word on that, and I'm speaking it to myself, is that sometimes I can make those expectations an idol. Mm. So I can say to myself, I will only be happy if, and usually when you say those things, you have an idol at the end of that statement. I will only be happy if all of my kids are making all the choices that I want them to make. All of them love Jesus. And when If and when they don't do that, then we will be constantly harangued by their choices and our our happiness is going to rise and fall on their decisions. Before I wrote the book, I was in a prayer loop where there was a mom who was constantly on that roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And this was before I was a parent of an adult kid and I kind of just watched it as a cautionary tale. And I said to myself that I didn't want to... I didn't want my joy to ride on those decisions. Now that's easier said than done. So when it started coming my way, I was like, oh, I totally understand what she was going through. But at the same time, I I was like, Lord, I give you my expectations of what I envisioned the family to be like. Hmm. And I just thank you for the reality of today and help me to thrive even if it's not what my expectation is. Mm. And the other part of that is just that I just last year in 2022, I had a prayer answered that I'd been praying for 40 years. Wow. And I think a, a little bit of the problem for us as American Christians is that if we voiced it, we just expect it to be answered now. Right. Because everything we get is now. It's very convenient. Right. It's very right now. Yeah, and we have to, mm-hmm. right. We have to remember that. God may not be answering that question that you have for him or that prayer right now, Mm. but he hears it and he's working out a plan you cannot imagine. Mm. And even if it's 40 years later, I am so astounded. I can't even talk about the answer to this prayer because it's so amazing to me, but it was 40 years of prayer of discouragement, all of that. Wow. And that's, again, that's that posture of relinquishment, surrender, trusting God and putting our hope in him rather than an outcome. If we tether our anything, identity, hope, uh, faith, joy, and it's not, your book is not just parenting your wayward child, your adult child, it's parenting your adult child with joy. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to just do it, but you're sobbing every day. And we're not saying you're not going to lament. We're not telling you, you have to just fake it till you make it. You're going to have moments where you cry yourself to sleep. You're going to have moments where you're worried. You know, I have parents who don't know where their kids are. That's genuine Mm -hmm. anxiety and and worry that has to be continuously placed before the Lord. And like you said, give me grace for today. How do you want me to handle this today? What am I responsible for? I can't control my children's behavior at this point. I can only control me and my responses. And I love where you talk about creating a, a safe haven because as they get older, you want them to want to come home. You know, you want this to be a place that they want to be. You make a statement in the book that says your sin, your child's sin does not have to sideline you. So what that tells me is a lot of parents do get sidelined. Maybe they get stuck. 
maybe they feel shame or a, a stigma, or they're just so trapped in their own disappointment. I remember once talking to Jennifer Rothschild and she said, um, it might've been something I read by her. She said, you can either serve your disappointment or you can serve God in your disappointment, but they're not the same thing. And you're not going to be able to do both. And I could feel in that season, a pull to serve my disappointment. And that's where you're going to stay in that place of, of not, not walking in the fullness of what God wants for you. So I know that's a mouthful, but talk about anyone who's listening. who feels like, listen, I know I hear what you're saying, but I am having such a hard time moving forward in my own joy, in my own peace, in my own call of God, because of these choices my children are making. First, I would say you're not alone. Mm. And think about this, that in the Garden of Eden, where everything was perfect and Adam and Eve had a perfect parent, they still rebelled. And God had a rebellious adult children, and he also had billions of others. So yeah. the Lord understands. And I think a lot of us carry a lot of parental guilt, like, what did I do wrong? And you, you get stuck in this ruminating over what did I do wrong? What could I do right? What could I do? What could I have done differently? And while it's okay to look at that and to apologize to your child, if you did think of something you did wrong, or the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's important that, um, that you look at this from a spiritual warfare perspective. Mm. What I mean by that is that if the enemy is wreaking havoc on your adult child and it sidelines you, then he gets two victories. And by golly, I'm not going to let him have that second victory. I'm not going to let it sideline me. Now, in order to get to that place, I do have to lament I think the sticking point is when we ruminate, 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 we don't share it with our community, which is a very important first step. And we don't lament and grieve what we thought we were going to have as parents Mm -hmm. of adult kids. Mm -hmm. Once you grieve and you've shared it with someone else who can bear that burden, it's time to move forward. Wow. That's so good. That's so good, Mary. That gives us a process, a practical process here. I think when we skip those steps, we either hide from community or we try to go through it without anybody knowing. Now, does everyone need to know your business all the time? We're not saying get on social media and share every (laughs) situation. We're saying find someone Um, that knows the word of God that will hold you up, that will come alongside you. What a sad story that this couple basically was moving from place to place, trying to find someone, maybe it was to commiserate and share their woes, but we need to be safe places to, to pray with one another and to say, you know what? I haven't walked that, but I've walked other things. And so I'm going to pray through this with you and hold up your arms to this and to lament what we have lost. That's biblical. We have multiple examples for that and, and and paths for that. I just appreciate it so much, Mary. It's such a needed resource and let people know how they can connect with you and get a copy of it. It's, it's one of many resources that you have, but it is your most recent love, pray, love, pray, listen, parenting your wayward adult kids with joy. So how do you want them to find you, Mary, and to, to find out about all the resources that you offer? Yeah. So the, um, I'm on marydemuth.com. That's my main place. And uh, Instagram is at marydemuth. So if you just Google that, my name, you'll find it. I do have a free freebie for your listeners. If they go to marydemuth.com slash LPL, which stands for love, pray, listen, they'll receive 52 prayers that they can pray every week with mm-hmm. blanks in them for their adult kids. 
And then I also have a daily podcast called prayeveryday.show. And that's where I, it's just five minutes. I read the Bible about a chapter a day, and then I pray for you according to the scriptures. Oh, I love that, Mary. I'm going to hop onto both of those, Mm -hmm. get my scripture download and pray over our kids and never, never negate the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. I like that you started, you know, it's love. We've got to love, but we've got to listen and we've got to pray. Sometimes I hear myself saying, well, I don't know what else to do. I, I, I can only pray. or I just can pray as if it's somehow like, like the, oh, well, there's nothing else, but it really is the the most crucial thing that we can do is to pray. Um, I have a friend that says obedience is up to us. Outcome is up to God. Mm-hmm. Part of what you're describing is our role in obedience to the Lord, separate from our children's responsibility. We're responsible to the Lord for how we walk through every trial and test of life and um, trust your kids to the Lord. He loves them even more than we do. So as we pray and we love and we listen, uh, he's going to do what only he can do. We'll hear those testimonies like you've had 40 years later, those miracle mm-hmm. stories, they're there. And uh, and so encourage someone, if you know someone, uh, a mom or a dad, who's they're, they're going through a rough season with their children at any age, could be teenage, could be adult, we want to encourage you to um, to offer that support, send a card, send a text, whatever the Lord leads you to do so that we know that we're not alone in this, that the enemy loves to use shame and uh, to isolate us and to keep us from community. So Mary, thank you so much for your encouragement. Mary's going to pray over us in just a moment, but Mary, I want to ask the same question I love to ask all of my guests as I close. And that is, I know that you love the word of God and it permeates literally guys, this book, every chapter is a different love is this patient and kind and doesn't keep a record of wrong. So she is just Bible through and through. So Mary, who is that person in the Bible other than Jesus that most inspires you to make life matter? Well, it's the person who had the longest theological discussion with Jesus throughout the gospels. And that's the woman um, at the well, the Samaritan mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. And she was outside the Commonwealth of Israel. And yet she had this long discourse, which I love that she's a woman. I love that she's a Samaritan. And she basically runs back to her community and says, come meet a man who told me everything about myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't with shame. It was with joy. And she became this first missionary and so she um, she just inspires me to do the same and just tell people, come meet the person who told me everything about myself, who's done some incredibly long and beautiful healing in this very broken person's life. Mm-hmm. What a God that we serve, right? And to know mm-hmm. how much he loves us, what, an, what a model of loving and listening. And then the outcome of that, like you said, the first female missionary, she's extraordinary. And I'm not surprised she's a hero to so many of us, a heroine. So Mary, thank you. Thank you for giving voice to what so many of us as parents feel and need. And it's not easy to write in this space. And so we thank you for it. And I just pray continued blessing and protection around you because anytime that we try to take on and take background, as you said, in warfare that the enemy has taken, he's not happy about it, Mm -hmm. but, um, God has entrusted us with these children. And if you feel like, wow, I just really messed up as a parent, listen, no one is beyond redemption and restoration and reconciliation. And so we're, we're praying for you as you, uh, move forward in your own relationship with your kids. And uh, Mary, I just want to invite you to pray over our listeners as we close our time together today. 
Jesus, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for loving us well. Thank you that you have empathy for parents who are struggling with wayward adult kids and that, Lord, we were wayward adult kids of you at some point in another. So, Lord, you know how to come and rescue us. You know how to bring empathy to us. Lord, I pray for that parent who's been canceled by their kids. And I pray, Lord, for divine, holy reconciliation and a miracle. I pray for those kids who have canceled their parents um, and parents who have canceled their kids. And I pray for reconciliation and wholeness there. Lord, I pray for humble hearts that we would be willing as parents to ask for forgiveness when we have wronged our kids. I pray that you would help us to run to prayer instead of rumination. I pray that you would bring our kids back to you. And we thank you so much that you are the one that leaves the 99 and chases the one. We thank you that you've talked about the lost coin and the prodigal son and that you love to come rescue those who are far from you. And Lord, like that story in the prodigal son, it was the famine that changed everything. He was doing really well until the famine came. And so Lord, in likewise, I pray that um, that you would just take away the veil that is there for our adult kids that think that this world is really fun and awesome. Lord, that you would show them, um, take it back and show them to see what it is that they're seeing, um, that we can only really find true and genuine life in you. And when we pursue other things, they are empty. Lord, just be with us and help us to find joy, even if our kids stray. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.